Hey guys, welcome along to the show. Now, before we get started here, I would like to ask you a little favour. Once you're finished up with the podcast, jump over and check out coinsedgemedia.com for all the other stuff that I'm doing. Uh, beyond this horror podcast, we have a science fiction podcast, Give Me Up Body. We've got the Here's Your Otters podcast, uh, Here's Your Otters Reviews podcast, and uh, there's two YouTube channels there, a vlog channel and a review channel as well as some indie film content and uh, projects and development. So uh, I would really, really appreciate you checking that out. So uh, let's get on with this episode. So legends, welcome along to Hellmouth Hotline. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're continuing on now with some horror content with Halloween 2 from 2009. Um, this movie here, um, enjoyable enough. Uh, it had its high points for me. And uh, overall, I have to say now, a little underwhelmed with it. Uh, Curious to see where they might have went after the events of this film, if they had have went on with it. But uh, obviously from the uh, poor reception that it got, uh, Rob Zombie jumped ship and refused to come back to do one after this here. So uh, as far as the money that this made, um, the original opening of the film grossed less than the previous 2007 remake with uh, approximately $7 million. I would go on to underperform at the box office, only grossing $39.4 million worldwide against a $15 million budget. So, uh, yeah, Zombie declined to return to film in our sequel. Uh, the next instalment, which would have been Halloween 3D, was cancelled in 2012. And what we got after that was, of course... Halloween, uh, yes, the the Halloween from 2018 was the next after this one. So, uh, yeah, we will get to that probably in the next movie, horror movie review on this channel. But, of course, we're bouncing off the, the Buffy and Angel stuff as well on here. So, all things horror. So, uh, essentially, in this movie, uh, it starts off... Uh, you see the young Michael Myers at Smith's Grove Sanitarium and he's been visited by his mother who uh, gives him this little white horse statue as a gift and that plays throughout this movie here and you see this here little horse that'll remind you of me when I'm not here so of course we know what happened to her in the prior film she ended herself Uh, we then cut the 15 years after that little sequence and that picks up where the previous film finished off and Laurie is wandering around, she's in shock after having shot Michael, so at the end of the movie the previous movie we didn't exactly see what happened, we heard the gun going off but we cut the black um, Sheriff Brackett finds Laurie and he takes her to the hospital and Meanwhile, the paramedics pick up Annie Brackett and Dr. Loomis as well, who 
survived being attacked by Michael. They're also taken to the hospital. Uh, Michael's body is put into another ambulance. And these guys are having the time of their life joking and getting on. There's some of the humour in here. Touches some dark, dark territory between these two ambulance drivers. But uh, yes, I'm not going to even go into that. Uh, let's just say when they meet their end, you're not feeling sorry for them. But uh, yes, there's a, a traffic accident. The uh, ambulance hits a cow on the road. Uh, Michael awakens, escapes, killing both these guys. And uh, yes, one year. Well, we have the sequence in the hospital where Michael goes after them one more time. And you think he's getting the, the drop on Laurie, but then she wakes up from a nightmare. So the thing for me in this movie, just just the way that it runs, um, when she wakes up from that nightmare, like it it plays very much that sequence in the hospital. And it was a lot more brutal than what the original Halloween two was. But you get the same sort of vibe of that original Halloween two where He's come to the hospital looking for hunting her down and whatnot. And they're going uh, a little bit more graphic, but beat for beat, usually. But whenever she wakes up from that sequence, it's kind of hard to tell where the dream started and that there. It's just, uh, for me, it wasn't very clear on the, the two watches that I gave this movie. But having said that, for me... The big decider for a movie for me is if it holds my attention well enough to keep me off social media. I really should respect the films enough to not have my phone switched on whenever I'm watching it to uh, get a vibe for it to do a podcast on it. But the phone was sitting next to me and... It, it failed what I call the social media test on multiple occasions. This movie, I was, uh, I was scrolling through Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at a few points during this one. So we cut to a year later. Laurie, she's now living with Sheriff Brackett and his daughter. Michael's been missing and he's presumed dead. And uh, Laurie, she's dealing with the trauma of what happened there. Uh, Dr. Loomis has turned to uh, the opportunity to write a book on the subject and uh, he's doing the whole promotional tour thing in this movie and you do get a few comic moments with him and people just not respecting him in the way that he wants to be respected and Weird Al Yankovic if that's even how you pronounce his second name Yankovic I'll go with Weird Al has a go at him at one point on a talk show. So, uh, yeah, he's not enjoying the what he's trying to do with this book. He wants to be taken serious, but everybody's taking him from, as a bit of a hack, really. Um, yes, so uh, Michael, we go to him. He's still alive. He's been living as a drifter, and he's been having visions of his mother's ghost and the younger version of himself. Now, this was a very... For me now, this worked pretty well. You know, Michael Myers doesn't speak. 
know, he's just there to kill people and whatnot. You don't get a good vibe of really what's going on inside of his mind. So this was a good way of vigil, making that a visual thing in this movie where the voices in his head, essentially, are his mother's voice. And uh, when he's having the conversation with his mother, it's the younger version of him. Like Michael standing there and just at his feet, the younger version of himself standing in front of him. And the, the kid has whatever back and forth between the mother and whatnot. So that was a genius idea. I thought that worked very well. Um, they instruct them to reunite with Laurie, bring her home, essentially. Uh, Michael arrives at a farm. He kills the owners before he sets off for Haddonfield. Uh, as he's travelling there, Laurie begins having hallucinations that murdered Michael's past. So, you know, we get that. We've seen this before. It's kind of like that psychic connection between uh, Michael and his niece, I want to say, was the, the storyline that done the last time. There's that psychic connection between them. But in this, that's directly between him and Laurie. And uh, her hallucinations also begin, begin to include her acting out Michael's murders. Uh, yes, so while all this is going on, Loomis again, he's off to promote his book, getting criticised. Uh, they blame him for Michael's actions and you know, exploiting the deaths of Michael's victims. And uh, One of the parents of one of the, the victims actually pulls a gun on him in a bookstore, but they... Uh, the gun wasn't loaded and whatnot. So, yeah, um, yes, everybody thinks it's just an incredibly bad taste. Laurie discovers through this book that she's really Angel Myers, Michael's long lost sister. Of course, we, we all knew that from the first, the first movie. Um, she kind of goes off and one goes to a Halloween party with the two girls she works with, Maya and Harley, uh, and gets drunk to try and escape how she's feeling Michael doesn't appear at this party he kills Harley then goes to the bracket house and like I'm really really skipping across a lot of the details in this movie because it's graphic the effects on it are flipping amazing but not what I would have hoped for for the sequel to that or that 2007 remake, it was a fairly solid movie, but this one here, uh, kind of personally let me down, and like the, the, uh, the critics at the time of release had a go at it as well, so, uh, yes, Michael, he's, uh, at Sheriff Brackett's house, finds his daughter, uh, hold on, I jumped ahead in my notes, uh, he fatally wounds Annie, course she survived the first film she's not as lucky this time when Laurie and Maya return to the house they find Annie she dies in Laurie's arms Michael he kills Maya then comes after Laurie so uh, uh, Sheriff Brackett arrives at home finds his daughter dead uh, Laurie she's running for her life out in the roads now she flags down a car uh, tries to get in, this guy tries to help her, he's going to, like she's wounded at this point, he's going to take her to hospital, and uh, Michael attacks the car, 
um, lifts it off the ground. Michael is flipping huge in these two movies. Massive, massive guy. Uh, he basically lifts the car and tips it off the side of the road and it rolls down into the, the ditch. Uh, yes, Michael then takes the unconscious lorry to an abandoned shed. Uh, she awakens to her hallucinations with Deborah seen by both her and Michael. So she's now seeing her mother as well as Michael the way he's seeing it. So the, the, the psychic connection is fully active at this point in the movie. And uh, yes, Deborah asks Laurie to call her mommy. Um, yeah, so the police discover Michael's location. They surround the shed. Uh, they can't get a clear shot at Michael. It's a hostage situation at this point. They're trying to wait for their moment to, like there's snipers there, there's guns trained in this thing. Uh, Loomis arrives, having seen it on the news. Uh, he gets a very frosty reception from Sheriff Brackett because uh, Brackett in this movie has taken Laurie on. He's treating her like his own daughter and he is he's devastated that after all the time and energy that everybody spent trying to protect Laurie's true identity that uh, Loomis would just go and blast it out in this book and of course she's seen it and this is what started the whole situation so Loomis at this point has come and he wants to help but Brackett is you know he if he could, he would kill him where he stands at, but uh, Loomis sneaks into the shed. He wants to come in here and make things right, essentially. Try to talk Michael down, get everything sorted. Um, but when he tries to resuscitate Laurie from his, her resuscitations, Michael grabs Loomis and stabs him to death before being shot through the cabin window by Brackett and impaled in a wreck. Uh, apparently released from her visions Laurie walks over to Michael and she stabs him repeatedly to kill him um, yeah uh, the shed door opens and Laurie walks out and she's wearing Michael's mask and uh, we cut to the end of the movie Laurie is sitting in isolation in a psychiatric ward Grimming as Deborah's ghost approaches with the horse woofer. Uh, of course, we're seeing visions of this horse throughout the movie. The little statue that Michael got when he was a kid, whenever his mother's ghost starts to appear to him. The white horse will be there, an actual real white horse. So at the end of the movie, this big room that she's in is extended really long. So it's a strange, strange room. Uh, but just a bed, uh, bedside locker and whatnot. She's sitting in the, the bottom of the bed, kind of like her elbows and her knees, sort of a thing. And she looks up, sees the vision of her dead mother with this horse. And she does, at the end of it, give a real maniacal, evil look straight down the barrel of the lens. And that ends off the movie. So, like, you know, if they had it continued it on, uh, they've set it up at the end of that one that Michael was killed by her. Is she going to escape and start taking over his 
stuff. But you know, that ending there was a fairly clean cut way of finishing it off. Uh, takes Michael out of the picture, but then leaves it with something that you could come with once again. But do you really want to get away from uh, oh, I said earlier on, did I say Halloween 2? I'm just thinking the dice. No, sorry. Uh, Season of the Witch just jumped into my head for a re- some reason there. Was that Halloween 2 or Halloween 3? Halloween 3. But uh, yeah, at the end of this movie, everything's tied up. And uh, yes, no Michael. What you, know, what you really want? A Halloween movie where there was no Michael Myers on there. Of course, we've had Season of the Witch. And everybody had a problem with that. Even though it's a cult figure now in the history of movies, I actually really enjoy it. And would be, I'd be very curious now these days to see, you know, we're in a time now where everybody's running out of ideas. The movie industry and TV industry is, as a whole has started to become the, the flipping music industry where it's just, you know, copy and paste a lot of stuff and a lot of remakes, a lot of reboots. Uh, it'd be interesting for me now. And uh, if anybody has any money and they want to chuck it at an amateur filmmaker like myself and has a few ideas knocking about the back of his head, that concept for Season of the Witch, you know where it'd be. Every year there'd be a, a Halloween movie, like a, just a horror movie, completely unrelated from the one before it, but underneath the banner of Halloween, and uh, to see where it would have went. I think I'd be very, very curious to see how that would have worked out if they had it done it. So if anyone wants to chuck some money at an indie filmmaker that has that same sort of mentality of weird horror nonsense, has the imagination of a demented ten-year-old, uh, feel free to do it. I'll take it and I'll make you a product, whether it's any good or not. Anybody's guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So any more information we have in this film... Other than what it just gave you, um, uh, yeah, just the the cast from the original one was back essentially. Uh, Taylor Zane, Taylor Main, sorry, as Michael, he is flipping massive, huge dude. Uh, did a fantastic job in this. So, um, yeah, don't think other than the the focus for what Rob Zombie had decided to do for this one was to focus more on the connection between Strode and Myers and the idea that they share similar, similar psychological problems. He wanted the sequel to be more realistic and violent than the 2007 movie and to portray how the events of the first film affected the characters. Zombie also wanted to provide a glimpse into each character's psyche. Uh... Following primarily took place in Georgia, which provided zombie with a tax incentive as well as the visual look that he was going for. Uh, when it came time to provide the musical score, uh, zombie had trouble finding a place to include John Carpenter's original Halloween music, and it was only included in the final shot. So uh, that's pretty much it for Halloween 2 from 2009 and Zombies run at it he did a fairly decent job now like the, the first movie you know maybe not just as iconic as the originals very rarely are 
but uh, solid enough movie. Uh, this one here, not so much. Um, there was something else I seen down there. Uh, yeah, well, I kind of covered it earlier on in the next movie, and the the series would be another reboot from 2018, titled Halloween, and which is a a direct sequel to the original 78 film. Uh, produced by Bloomhouse Productions and distributed by Universal Pictures. Um, I have to say now, I actually, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I've told you that uh, horror isn't my v- usual vibe that I would normally, if I'm going to sit down and watch something that I would tend to go for science fiction or fantasy or something more than that there, but... Um, I was always big into the the classic horror movies like Dracula and you know the Wolfman, all that sort of stuff, Frankenstein's monster, uh, the Hammer movies, the early seventies Hammer movies, and the Hammer House of Horror, of course. Like they're all on this channel. If you want to go back and check it out, but uh, these newer movies, I'm gonna say like you know. We're going back quite a long time now, 2009, for God's sake. That's not yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it's not normally the sorts of movies that I go for. So I love doing this podcast for just getting caught up and all that stuff. So um, I, for someone that likes the classic, classic horrors, uh, everything from, gosh, the last 10 years or so, uh, is virgin territory for me so it's going to be interesting for me to check out a new horror movie every Friday to talk about in this show and I hope you'll stick about and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it at whether it be on SoundCloud or your uh, preferred platform of choice for podcasts follow the show, rate and review it if you would or if you're Happening to be listening to it, it's also on YouTube. Uh, Hellmouth Hotline's got its own little YouTube channel there, so if you're listening to it there, I appreciate you as well. So that's going to do it, guys. Stay safe, and I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.